0: Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation's Get to College program. Based in South Haven, Jackson, and Ocean Springs, Get to College advisors help students and families plan and pay for college. Learn more at woodwardhines.org. Good morning. It's 830 on Friday, March 2nd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a controversial bill to rewrite Mississippi's public education funding formula is dead in the Senate. Find out how lawmakers are reacting to the outcome. Then, a transportation official is speaking out against a plan to improve the state's infrastructure. And we'll hear from an expert who says reading aloud affects a child's brain development, literacy, and school readiness. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. controversial bill to rewrite Mississippi's public education funding formula failed to pass the Senate after a motion to kill the bill passed. Senators voted 27 to 21 to send HB 957 back to committee. Supporters of the measure said it was transparent and predictable, but opponents said it provided less funding to schools. Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves, who supports the bill, spoke out after the vote. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier, in time, schools and legislators will support the change.
1: I can assure you that I'm going to continue to fight for Mississippi kids. I'm going to continue to fight to get more money in the classroom and less money in the district office. And we're going to keep on keeping on to make sure Uh, We are successful at doing that.
2: What do you say to parents who walk the halls this week going to legislators saying, I've got proof, look at this, it shows that our district is going to lose money under this new formula?
1: Well, I'll tell you that there were almost 110 school districts that were going to see increased funding under this particular formula. There were about 30 school districts that were going to see reduced funding under this formula. And almost without exception, those districts that were going to see reduced funding were going to see it because they are losing students. They're losing student population. Guess what? Under MAEP, when it's recalculated, those same districts are going to lose money in the future because they're going to see fewer students in the classroom, and over time, that's going to lead to fewer dollars for those districts. But again, the current formula that some people are so enamored with literally spends millions and millions and millions of dollars for students who don't exist. Literally. Go to the Moss Point School District. Find out how many students are funded based upon the Mississippi Adequate Education Program and how many students they actually have. 27 or 28 senators just voted to say, you know what, it's okay to fund phantom students. The taxpayers that I work for, they don't think it's okay to fund phantom students. They think that their school districts are getting cheated when the old formula funds students that do not exist.
2: Moving forward, what do you think you'll change to make it more palatable to those who didn't like what came out now?
1: Well, I think what you'll see is moving forward, we're going to come back on Monday and we're going to work down the calendar. Um, the, The school districts that would have received more money next year under the plan are not likely to see more money next year under the plan. Since the plan didn't pass, the likelihood they're going to see less money next year, even than they're seeing this year, is pretty high. And so uh, maybe uh, when the superintendents uh, see that that is ultimately the case, they're they're probably not going to like the fact that they lobbied so hard against the bill that actually would have benefited them and benefited their school districts.
0: Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves with MPB's Desiree Fraser. Democrats and some Republicans weren't convinced with the bill's use of the recommendation from consultant Ed Bild. Democratic Senator Solly Norwood of Jackson tells MPB's Desiree Fraser, both sides can work together to come up with a better solution.
3: This is the way public policy is supposed to be crafted. Uh, you know, we had Democrats and Republicans working together. And that's the way public policy is supposed to be. So really is a victory for public education in the state of Mississippi.
2: Uh, we heard from uh, Senator Bryan and uh, others expressed some concerns about how that money would be divvied out. And we saw parents up here from different organizations concerned about what would happen. What does this say about the argument that you presented?
3: Uh, basically, what it is, there's still too many uncertainty, too many factors that haven't really been vetted. Uh, when you talk to the superintendents and you talk to the school leaders across the state, it's just, you know, it's just too problematic. And I mean, and once we pass that and go into law, then it's too late for us to go back and change it. At that point, we have to wait till we come in uh, next year. And I just think that it's too problematic. So the only thing we're asking is give us an opportunity to, to. I mean, I'm. If we want to make changes for the better, let's take time and go through it, get with the the general public and just, just work through it.
2: Lieutenant Governor uh, Tate Reeves said that um, those who voted for the motion voted against the interest of schools.
3: Absolutely not. I mean, I support public. I support public school 110 percent. I graduated from the public schools. My children graduated from the public school. I still volunteer at the public schools, So I am absolutely in support of. I don't think it was. I don't think it was a vote against public schools at all. Only thing we want to do is do right by public schools. Do right about our children. They have a future, but they don't have a stake in making these decisions. So we need to make decisions that's in the best interest of our children, the best interest of public education.
2: Is it possible that this bill could still come up before the end of the session?
3: Well, there have been some conversation. There have been some conversation about it. And you know, around here, it's hard to say what can't happen. So what we want to do today is we just want to live and enjoy this victory for public education on today.
0: Senator Solly Norwood with our Desiree Frazier. Republican Senator Gray Tollison of Oxford chairs the Education Committee. He says he's learned from previous experience that some changes take time.
4: The charter law, that was new, and, and we lost, we passed it and sent it die in the House. And, you know, it took several years. And I, I understand that it takes several years, and it should. I mean, it, it's, if it's new legislation especially, it takes time for people to warm up to it. And now, you know, you move on. And, um, we look, we we got 21 votes. we got to get six more, and um, we, we, we'll get there sooner or later. You win votes and you lose votes, and I I take it in stride. You just kind of pick yourself up and dust yourself off and, and figure out how, what do we need to do to get this bill passed in the Senate. We made a huge stride with the House passing it, and as I've said, they had done a great job, a yeoman's work of getting this put together, uh, Chairman Bennett, the Speaker, his staff, and uh, we'll just have to regroup and, and figure out what we want to do next. But I, I believe in this legislation. I think it's good for Mississippi students, and, and that's who we should be focused on in raising student achievement. And we have made some big strides in the past seven years with the, the different legislation we've had, because of the teachers and the students and the parents working together, and because we we have required some accountability. Saying we have high expectations. I think too. Often in our state, we set low expectations because we don't think students can do it. And I I think that's changing, and and the the culture is changing, which is good. We have some challenges, but I do believe going forward this is a a positive piece of of legislation, how we distribute funds to our K-12 schools. It provides more predictability to schools and flexibility. And and I I think this is not going away. It will remain. And... Uh, until it's it's passed one way or, or another.
0: Supporters say House Bill 957 would have increased spending by $108 million over seven years. Critics point out that's $157 million less than what's mandated by the state adequate education program. Coming up, find out why some officials are against a plan to improve the state's infrastructure. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: If you missed MPB's
5: At Issue on TV, just go to mpbonline.org issue to see this week's show and previous episodes. You'll hear each week from Mississippi's most influential elected leaders at the state capitol. MPB's political analysts provide insight on the critical issues facing the state and how these issues impact you. Check out At Issue on your computer, laptop, or phone at mpbonline.org
3: issue.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Transportation officials are speaking out on a bill that would take money from the State Department of Transportation budget. With much-needed infrastructure improvements across the state and country, state legislators have been working on a policy solution. The Bridge Act, Senate Bill 3046, is a five-year plan to fund roads, bridges, leaking dams, and water and sewer repairs. The bill also calls for the creation of an advisory panel and gives some decision-making authority to the governor. Critics say the bill should not take money from MDOT or politicize transportation. Republican Senator Joey gain of some authored the bill. He spoke with MPB's Desiree Fraser just after the bill passed last Wednesday saying he sees the bill as complementary to MDOT. He explains funding and how the proposed advisory panel would work.
6: There are new dollars that we're going to spend by taking in five of those years uh, the two percent set aside and placing those in the two new funds for Emergency bridge replacement and the strategic highway program that we're going to to have. We also, as part of the project, we increase the diversion of the sales tax from the state back to the local municipalities. They currently receive a eighteen and a half percent, you know, payback, and we would increase that from eighteen and a half percent to twenty percent um, of the monies that we send back to the municipalities of. Uh, those sales taxes they collect
2: and there is uh 25 million that you're going to take from mdot
6: that's great 25 million for five years uh 25 million a year for five years so it'd be 125 million total again out of a 1.2 billion dollar budget that they have
2: now they're not too happy about that what does that mean for their expenditures
6: well, I haven't spoken with them, so I'm not sure if they're happy about it or not. But I can tell you that it is a time-limited take. It's only for five years. And, again, it's $25 million a year out of an approximate $1.2 billion budget. If you cannot find savings that amount to $25 million out of $1.2 billion in your annual budget, uh, you've got serious problems.
2: There is also going to be the creation of an advisory panel. How will that work? Well,
6: there is an advisory panel for um, the bridge program that we're creating to advise the governor on um, which are the most pressing needs and the bridges out of all the bridges that would need help across the state.
2: And so he would decide himself? Correct.
6: Correct. So the monies would be um, houses at the Mississippi Development Authority. and The governor, uh, under the current language of the bill, would have the final say as to which of those bridges get fixed or repaired first, but there is the advisory committee that would help advise him uh, on what their thoughts on which bridges may need to be repaired first.
2: Why bring an advisory panel and the governor into it?
6: Well, I mean, I just think it makes sense. I mean, the governor is pretty busy doing many different functions of state government and has a lot of responsibilities, and so um, in addition to giving him this oversight and this responsibility, we just thought... It was a good idea to help provide some folks that are stakeholders in infrastructure and transportation issues across the state to help provide some additional input and guidance for him or her.
2: Senator Felling, Gain, thank you so much for your time.
0: We thank appreciate
6: you. it. I appreciate it so much.
0: Tom King is the Southern District Transportation Commissioner at M. Dot. He tells us the bill takes funds and authority from the agency.
7: I do not support it. It's a bill that is politically hijacked. M. Dot. It removes the authority and the money, and it gives it to the new governor or the future governor of Mississippi, or to our state.
0: What kinds of restrictions are placed on M.DOT through this bill?
7: The restrictions are even down the right of way that we've got to go to the governor to get his permission on uh, buying right of way either for a, a new new road or a intersection where we've got to buy right of way or have to purchase right of way. For a, uh, a new turn lane or something even as small as that. So it's uh, not much flexibility in it. It all goes to the governor. It's a bill that's uh, politically influenced. It, the 1987 bill took politics out of MDOT. This bill puts politics back into MDOT.
0: What do legislators or the elected officials, what do they have against MDOT?
7: I really don't know. You know, we there's three commissioners, as you know, the northern, central, and southern. We all work well together. Uh, we were transparent and accountable. Uh, we've had uh, reviews and audits, peer commission uh, reviews, and we've all come out very clean. Uh, we have been preaching for the last six years that we need money and funding. Uh, we're dealing with a 400% increase. Construction material costs have risen more than 400%. And the funding for them has not. So it's all about economic development. You know, transportation equals economic development. And uh, we're trying to make sure that we have the ability to efficiently and, and safely deliver goods and services to our state, to the taxpayers of Mississippi.
0: This bill also takes away $25 million a year from MDOT's budget. How would that impact the agency overall?
7: In five years, that's $225 million. That's a lot of money. We have, uh, quite frankly, been begging for more funding, and and they're taking it away. So that's 25 million dollars. I think it would do away probably with our litter program, uh, some intermodal uh, intermodal programs such as our ports where we give money, safety initiatives, down to welcome centers and bike programs that we have. But uh, it's not good. Uh, You know, we're asking for more money, not less money, not to take money away from our budget. And uh, it's, just, it's just not good.
0: Are there any alterations that could be made to Senate Bill 3046 that would have you support it?
7: Well, we're anxiously waiting to see it's in the House now and anxiously waiting to see what the House will do with the bill. Uh, we keep hearing the bill. There will be a strike-all amendment. Uh, so I don't know. I guess the House will be putting their, I assume they'll be putting their version or whatever. And I assume the bill will go go to conference after that. If they change the bill, it'll go to conference. So uh, we're anxiously awaiting to see what happens and what the House comes out with. And uh, certainly we want to support. And the, the House has come out with several bills. that has uh, it's been good and beneficial to MDOT.
0: Finally, just to clarify, you think this is a political maneuver? Do you think this is directly taking power away from MDOT for the governor?
7: I think it's... Uh, it's a five-year program. I believe it's uh, putting politics back into MDOT. It's a power grab for the next new governor. And uh, where the projects go or the new roads or work goes in this state will be whoever has the most political influence. And that's what I believe.
0: Tom King is an MDOT commissioner representing the Southern District. Mr. King, thank you very much for your time today.
7: Thank you, Karen.
0: The bridge. Britain- The BRIDGE Act is headed to the House for review. Coming up, find out how reading aloud affects a child's brain development, literacy, and school readiness. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
3: Mississippi Public Broadcasting is pleased to announce an innovative new way you can support us change by soft giving allows you to round up your change from everyday purchases and donate it to mpb sign up today by visiting mpbonline.org support from there securely link your credit or debit card information to start rounding up your change your contributions allow us to continue providing smart entertaining and engaging programming to mississippians
0: This is Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi parents may be missing key windows for brain development and academic growth in their children. The activity that could help youth achieve is reading aloud daily. According to a new survey by YouGov, fewer than 15% of parents read aloud from birth. Fewer than half read aloud daily and only 30% do so for at least 15 minutes. Dr. John Hutton is a pediatrician and clinical researcher with the Cincinnati Children's Hospital Reading and Literacy Discovery Center. As this year's Read Aloud spokes doctor, he tells us reading is a way to invest in a child's development.
5: The first five years of life is the, the most dynamic stage of, of early brain development. We know that. And, and it's very, very clear that um, reading aloud with a child is, is one of the strongest ways to to reinforce early brain development and the skills that go with it and it, it changes as ch- children get older reading with a baby is is um, all about forming that early bond building language skills and then as kids go through preschool you know developing their um their alphabet and their other skills that help them learn how to read and then for older kids just being able to discuss the stories and help them understand how, how they relate to the world so um, you know, reading aloud is for a lifetime and it um, uh, when parents and kids do it together as a daily habit, they're really doing their child a, a big favor to help them develop and be successful in life.
0: Can you start reading to a baby at birth? Is it hearing? Is it for the baby hearing the sound of their parents' voice?
5: We do recommend starting as soon as possible after birth. Um, a lot of parents will look at you like you're kind of crazy when you recommend that because they're not sure if the baby's going to be getting anything out of it, but they absolutely are. The babies first are listening. Um, they're paying attention to the, the parent's voice. They love the feeling of being on a parent's lap and that, that sense of safety. And then building that early routine, that sense that, that spending that time together and reading every day is, is really important. And um, it's a way for a child to feel loved, but then also build their early language skills.
0: What kind of lifelong benefits come from reading to a child?
5: Well, I think it's a, a couple of things. One is that connection, that sense of, of parent, parents and kids spending that quality time together. I mean, I'm a parent and have three daughters, and some of my favorite memories are, are just slowing down and reading together every day, you know, all kinds of different books that we still talk about. But then also the kids like to do what, what they feel is, is fun and, and makes them feel loved. And, and if, if they're growing up reading with a parent, then they're more likely to want to keep reading on their own as they, as they grow older.
0: Tell us about some of the findings in the survey Read Aloud 15 Minutes.
5: uh, It was a national survey of parents uh, between birth and age 8, and uh, uh, one of the main findings is across the board about 42% or less than half of families were reading aloud every day. Um, about 30% were reading a lot every day beginning at birth, um, so we still have a, a challenge there with the younger kids. But then, most surprisingly, about two-thirds of families of the older kids, between 6 and 8, uh, were not reading every day anymore. And it seems like they were, they were stopping at that age. A lot of them were. And uh, so to us, that suggests a real opportunity to keep encouraging families to read throughout the child's whole life.
0: When your child reaches a certain age, should the child start reading to you?
5: Absolutely. That, that's one of the great things, too. It's a, early on, the parent's reading to the child, and gradually the child starts to participate more and more in the story and sounding out some words. And then eventually, yeah, the child can read to the parent, and they'll really enjoy that, and the parent can provide some support and, and just talk about what's going on in the story. So absolutely, I should share that back-and-forth experience.
0: In those households where uh, parents may speak English as a second language, does reading help? In terms of language development,
5: absolutely um, you'll, a lot of households um, that uh, are bilingual will alternate well some will read you know let's let's say books in Spanish but then also books in English. and, and we know that kids that are exposed to both languages early on will b- learn those languages better and then be able have a real opportunity later on to go back and forth between uh, different kinds of books. Um, so yeah, they can absolutely share both.
0: Can you address the third grade shift?
5: I know that there's a real emphasis on children knowing how to read. In third grade, it's when we say kids go from learning to read to reading to learn. Um, There's an expectation that kids at that point will will be uh, strong readers so that they can read their assignments and their homework, and um, so much of the learning that goes on in school is is around reading. And we know that kids that are behind at that stage really start to fall behind quickly and end up struggling in school.
0: What are some strategies for making reading to your children an everyday routine?
5: Want is to start early, and that's why we really, really encourage the, you know, reading with babies is, is creating that habit that every day there's 15 minutes, whether it's at bedtime or nap time or after school, and the, you know, at the dining room table, just making it something that both the parent and the child look forward to. Um, I'd say there's a big role for for dads in this experience. You know, where you know, a lot of dads are wondering how to interact with their kids, especially when they're younger, to really get them involved reading with their kids. Also, having kids pick out their own books can be really helpful because they Um, kids want to read about things that they're interested in and and letting them choose can really help them want to keep reading.
0: Dr. John Hutton is a pediatrician and clinical researcher at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Reading and Literacy Discovery Center. Dr. Hutton, thank you so much for being with us.
5: Thanks for having me.
0: Today is Read Across America Day and it's Dr. Seuss's birthday. March is Read Aloud Month. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's the Gestalt Gardener. Then at 10 o'clock, it's Next Stop, Mississippi. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again Monday morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at WoodwardHines.com.